0: Welcome to another edition of the Streaking Lawn podcast. I'm back. My name's Pierce. Thanks for joining us. And uh, I've got my usual co-host with me. Caroline, how are you?
1: Hi, I'm good. Welcome back. The stress of hosting is off my shoulders. I can just (laughs) do what I want now.
0: My international mysterious travel has returned me to Charlottesville, and I'm happy to be here. Paul, how are you?
2: I'm great. Caroline's not hosting anymore, so this is uh, the best day of the week.
0: Leaks.
1: Different haze, okay. all my reaction haze. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Series of reaction haze, man.
0: We've got a fun two-part episode uh for you guys. Uh in this first part, we're gonna chat about football. We're gonna talk about the big Miami win for the Who's. And uh Caroline, tell us about the second part
1: coming up. Yes, in uh part two, we're going to I'm gonna be chatting with Anish Schroff of ESPN, one of the commentators, extraordinaire from ESPN, who does football and basketball and lacrosse commentating. Um, Good dude, excited to talk to him a little bit about the ACC Coastal and the smorgasbord disaster that it's looking like right now. (laughs) Uh, Disaster in a good way for Virginia, I think. And then also a little bit at the basketball landscape in the ACC and then a little bit of the national basketball talk as we get closer to basketball season.
0: Good stuff. So stay tuned for that part. But right now let's dive into breaking down that huge win at Scott Stadium on Saturday. Rigid... Tundra that uh, was the fifty degree weather. <laughs> 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 Apparently, too much for the hurricanes. They uh, couldn't throw the ball because it was too cold, or because it's like, it like
2: that thing that the Tampa Bay Bucks had for ch- a while. They like hadn't won a game played under was it forty five degrees at kickoff or something <laughs> until yeah.
0: Well, on that,
2: so, South Florida with your overall impressions
0: and- from you guys obviously I think we're all pretty stoked about the win a win that probably came uh, for those of us that were optimistic or even predicting a win or thinking of a win as even a possibility I don't think anyone drew it up this way <laughs> in uh, no. uh, some early turnovers <laughs> and uh, I mean the defense just played about as good as as you can imagine so I uh, will we'll get into some uh, stars and things like that but what was, it, what was the most surprising thing to you guys about how things turned out Saturday?
2: Um, I, I was very surprised by Virginia's rushing game. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the fact that you've got Jordan Ellis with 86 yards, Perkins with another 87, um, and a, a success rate uh, in rushing of 46%, um, five points above sort of what the national average is for success rate on, on rushing. Um, against the defensive front, it was it was the, absolutely the strength of the Miami defense. I mean, it had been mm-hmm. very highly touted uh, all year long, and Virginia had struggled so badly uh, against NC State that getting seeing Ellis in, in 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 big spots. I think some of it was choosing situations for the running really well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the amount of running in that that drive at the end of the first half uh, was was a, I think a big part of of what made that drive work, uh, but. Very encouraging. And the coaches have talked about it very explicitly uh, in the days since the win that refocusing the offensive line and refocusing the running game was a big part of what made the offense work on Saturday. And it shows in the box score. It showed, you know, sitting there live. Um, That was definitely my biggest, biggest pleasant. uh,
0: You saw Bronco single out uh, a healthy-ish RJ Proctor right. uh, coming back and contributing right to that, that success in the running game for sure. Uh, Caroline, what uh, surprised you?
1: Oh, my God, the kicking.
0: Yeah. Like,
1: <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, I think, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, they they come out there, um, and I was ready to, like, just rail the commentators who were not great. The, the whole production was not great. We'll just say uh. that. A lot of misplays, like by the cameraman which i always love but mm. they were talking about the rotating kickers and like that's fair like you know aj mejia and then going to um pearson and then all of a sudden there i was i was like this isn't delaney like pearson kicks them and i was like oh this is delaney <laughs> um he he's like a away. foot
2: shorter it should be pretty easy
1: to tell. <laughs> i was ready to be like you idiots and i was like oh they're right okay that's that guy um, and, you know, he converted perfectly the first one, which is shorter, I think a 26 yarder or something like that 27 yarder. And then as Paul was just talking about that long drive to end the half is the stuff that previously other teams did to Virginia where there's <laughs> an opportunity with a little bit of time left and they put together just enough yeah. of a drive to, and they were aiming to get into field goal range, which yep. let's be honest until last week, we laughed at when we're like we don't have like we either got to score a touchdown or we got to get all the way down to like the 18 yard line or it's not going to make a difference
0: mm-hmm.
1: so seeing him get out there and line up that 46 yarder and that bad boy would have been good for another 10 eh, five yards maybe <laughs> <laughs> two or three that yards would have been like a 50 yarder but i mean when you say that like that that was a 50 yard kick and it was right down the center mm-hmm. and then he squeaked that crucial one through um for the third make and then he even made the fourth one which would have really forced miami to score a touchdown with 30 seconds left but luckily miami is dumb and they landed on him and we got to take it off the board and kneel the ball down so i, I just really think that um special teams in general were i mean they won that because the kicker was outstanding yeah
0: no, I mean, it can't yeah. be understated how crazy that was, uh, how how important uh, – or can't be overstated, I should say. Excuse yeah. me. Um, <laughs> and, and how important uh, those points were. I mean, obviously, UVA was struggling uh, to really get things going uh, offensively, and I think we all expected that. So maybe one of the l- least surprising things was uh, just the, the fact that, you know, Miami's D line was going to get pressure and they were trying to get the ball out. And sometimes it was yeah. working. Sometimes it was very much not working. And, you know, it, it really speaks to Bryce Perkins doing exactly as much as he needed to. Yeah. In the right moments to make up for his mistakes. And I mean, that first interception was awful.
1: That one was bad. It,
0: it, you know, one of them, it, the second or third one, which was just a great play by, the, the uh, defensive back, yeah, I thought I Bronco literally addressed like that play was just an amazing play by the defensive back. It really was, yeah. but that the first one was just a backbreaker to start the game. <laughs> yeah, they were
1: cruising up. too. You know, you, know you gotta
0: score points when you're looking for an upset at home and you're trying to get early momentum. And
1: oh, but yeah.
0: the defense steps up. I mean, two. Uh, fourth down yep. uh, conversions, shut down uh, on the right side of the field. Uh, it, it, just an amazing performance uh, by the defense, and and it leads me to my most surprised, uh, <laughs> surprising thing from the game was not just how well UVA's defense played, but how pathetically Miami played into UVA's game plan. How how anemic they looked on offense uh, after what Perry was able to do to come back in the FSU game was yeah. you know, just throw the ball all over the field and neither guy, I, you know, the, the short leash on Perry, obviously the Miami fan base has been up in arms about, and I, I don't know that team that well or, or enough to criticize that decision. Other than uh, obviously the other guy, I've, Frazier sucks too so you know like uh, I, I don't know yeah, what, when
2: you're a third year a junior and you get binged in favor of a friend right. at the quarterback position that says something I
0: don't know what they were expecting out of him uh, in, 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 other than they must have gone wow Perry is just completely shook something must have happened yeah. other than just those bad picks and they were bad uh, I mean credit to UVA's defense to make the play but a lot of people would be up making that play <laughs>
1: yeah the <laughs> first one you know, it was kind of like Juan was just like Juan okay. was like oh, oh this is mine now
0: <laughs> exactly either of them were just just horrendous throws yeah. but you saw Perry's ability to to bounce back in a game against FSU and make some good throws which Miami just didn't do yeah right and, and and that played into UVA's game plan because I think Miami's you know, they, they had some ability to establish the run. And UVA was shutting down a lot of plays. I, again, I want to give the Who's a ton of credit for playing as well as they could. But I really think if Miami had just focused on trying to be the more physical and talented team, which they are, uh, they probably would have had a little bit more success against UVA's defense. So anyway, I found that surprising that they were like, neither of our guys can throw the ball, so let's just keep throwing the ball. <laughs> and it didn't yeah. work.
1: Uh, one of the things that I I did really appreciate and has clearly been a point of emphasis and that I think is a great sign going forward is outside of the three picks, obviously. And again, I agree with you. I think the first one is really the only egregious one. The second one I remember thinking like, man, that defender really climbed up there for it. Like he had some good, you know, mm-hmm. just pure athletic ability to get that one. And then the third was that toss up and whatever um, outside of those three plays Bryce Perkins was making good decisions and he was sliding. He was picking up yardage where he could get it. He was sliding smartly, not taking extra hits, not taking any crazy risks. Um, And I really think that that's something that's important and good to see because we talked earlier about some of these games where it's like we can't have him carrying and getting hit that many times consistently throughout the season, especially as we hit into ACC play. So I was really – Happy to see that usage of Bryce Perkins.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, best dancer uh, on the team uh, is is a tough call. Uh, I, you know, we were on the UVA side um, this time in, in the stadium, and so I did get a very good view of of them partying during all of the timeouts, uh, which is pretty great. I, I got, I'm going to give it to uh, Du Bois though. Mm. If you're out there listening, he sees your moves? Pretty great. All right, I'm, so. to it.
1: I'm only going stone from like clips I saw, but well, like I'm
0: going the whole defensive line, watching <laughs> the uh, the
2: videos from the, the Virginia Sports TV. Man, they that's I, I I during when that came on when swag surfing came on, and the team was going nuts, and every Miami player was just standing there. Mm-hmm. And there was no no energy on their sides, and all of a sudden you see their strength coaches and everybody yeah. trying to wave their arms to get their crowd, like get their side, get their guys into the game. <laughs> that was that was something we haven't seen out of Virginia football in a really long time. Sure. Yeah, out yeah. out swagging
0: Miami of yeah. all teams. Shout out to the students, the student section. Yeah, yep. from the beginning the hill was filling up nice shout Um,
1: out those pom-poms in the student section that looked (laughs) i'm not i know it sounds cheesy but it looked great on tv like that those are the type of things that like everyone was in like motion together they were in sync like and it just the the atmosphere looked outstanding and i think i mean shit we can talk about the big recruit we got after the game we talked about, you know, uh, Ben Smiley, four-star recruit, like, committed to the team. And he was like, I saw myself being on this team while I was standing there watching this game. And that's the stuff that – it's a big recruiting weekend, you know, Like, and they had a ton of football players there. They had a couple huge basketball recruits there. Um, You keep winning games,
0: the people are going to come back. And you keep winning games, the more night games you get against ranked teams. I mean, it's – it all builds – On itself, all those parts are going to add up to at least getting back to those games that we had when we were students, (laughs) and the upper deck was filled. Which, that would be a big, a big turnaround.
1: Uh, I used to be so mad when, like, I have to. I was with someone; they were like, "We can sit on the upper, upper deck part." I was like, "Excuse me, I'm not going up there."
0: It's very chilly. Um, anyway, before we get to our three stars of the game, I do want to say that uh, in a, a podcast earlier this season, I was very cynical about breaking the rock that said beat Tech in the preseason. Uh, I, I didn't think it was that big of a deal, but I did think it was sort of silly. Um, because they haven't beat it that should be their goal every year regardless and like <laughs> to be like okay now here in year 14 <laughs> but anyway uh while i still think that was sort of silly i absolutely love the breaking the rocks post game the like yeah. sort of little mvp shout out uh, that the coaches do uh, giving it to delaney was hilarious and obviously apt i mean and and, and the perfect person um but you know snowed in and the win before it. i think it's a, a cool little uh you know fun locker room thing
1: i love he was concerned about how heavy the the mallet was or <laughs> kicker problems.
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean yeah <laughs> all right so let's hand out our uh our three stars if you guys want to get going how paul you want to go first yeah i'm thinking
2: the obvious one it's bryce hall oh, um, damn it <laughs> uh, makes an incredible play twenty twenty two 22 miles an hour to close the gap on travis homer um the defense then stands tall after that four-point swing right there. Uh, but the entire game flow sequence that started with that play, you've got Bryce chasing down Homer to, to keep the touchdown off the board. Uh, defensive stand keeps the touchdown off the board. Then perfectly managed clock drive at the end of the first half, even though I didn't think it was, and when I watched the replay, of the commentators certainly didn't think it was good clock management. But – Bronco, because he had kept things open in practice, knew that he had a kicker that could all of a sudden have more of a range so he knew where he needed to get to the the that sequence that set of game flow that started with Bryce Hall making that incredible effort play followed by that this the sequence of the types of plays and the types of drives you need to win games mm-hmm. uh it 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 accentuated how
0: important Hall's single play was. Uh, right there in the second quarter. It's like one of those... Things that good teams do, right? And, right. And, and particularly, like you were saying earlier, the the, thi- the last uh, minute of the first half field goal drive that we've seen UVA give up, it, they're giving it up to good teams, consistently good teams. It's stuff – NFL, the good teams do that. Right. In that right. yeah.
2: The, 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 the it, Patriots talk about the double tap. Right, they, exactly. Especially if they're right. getting the ball in the second half, score at the end of the first, score in your first drive to start the second, and yeah. the game's over.
0: It's just more of that eye test stuff to look like an actual football team out there that knows what they're doing, uh, which yeah. is weird. Great to see. Yeah. Weird. I love all right, Caroline, you're uh, your star.
1: Uh, so, I mean, I was like, please save me first. I want to talk are about it.
2: All, are all three of us giving our star to Bryce Hall? No, I think is we that?
1: might all go defense or special teams, though. Um, we'll find out. Won't we? I, yeah, by the way, I've watched that clip of him chasing Homer down probably a hundred times. <laughs> I just can't stop watching it. It's like the coolest thing ever. Um, I'm going to give mine to Juan Thornhill, two interceptions, um, huge day. He talked a little bit after the, excuse me, after the game about how he felt like they targeted him la- or that like he gave up some big plays last year in that comeback victory for Miami, how it was really important to them not to let off a gas defensively to keep up mm-hmm. the momentum um, and that he took it kind of as a personal thing. Like he thought they were going to be throwing at him a fair amount, and they did, and he was outstanding. Uh, and he was the defensive national player of the week um, and ACC – you know defensive back of the week or whatever and i just think he has been really really good outside of i think we've talked about him slipping in the rain and giving up a touchdown at indiana i don't think he's really had any real mistakes Mm -hmm. since then and he's just been a real rock on the and the secondary and the kind of performance that when we went into the season and saw got like looked at that secondary and wanted to be like they're gonna be the best in the country like this is the type of thing that i was expecting and that they can do um, and also, just a quick shout-out to Tim Harris. He had a really, really good game. That's my star. Oh I'm giving it to Harris. Oh, no, I feel bad. I, I you we're Tim all Delaney. doing defensive Delaney. backs. Delaney, we love you, too.
0: No, there's so many. Obvi- yeah. I mean, in a big win, you're going to have a lot of stars. We could we could look to Ellis. We could look to Zandier, yeah. who led the team in tackles. Uh, Zandier is so guilty of overrunning. <laughs> 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 and there was this guy who had no idea who he was, um, uh, who Zandier was and he was looking he was sitting in front of me and he was asking his friends like who's this? Guys, terrible and i want to be like he's uh so he's very important
1: uh, yeah, <laughs> please stop he's very
0: important <laughs> some of his plays don't go uh so well every single play and look he let <laughs> freaking tackle so yeah he still had a decent game um i mean the linebackers in general you know peace and snowden uh getting pressure uh on the qbs uh just enough to force enough mistakes and things like that but i gotta give it to harris because them freaking harris out of varina has been here since 2004 and 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 that was his best game i mean you know what a what a story that kid uh is and and what he's had to deal with with injuries and just just being an impactful positive player in one of the biggest games in recent history is so awesome to see yeah i thought he played lights out and he gets dunked on by fans because you know listen when you play defensive back like if you give up big plays when you're still in the play it's probably not your fault You know, like from the the exceptional players out there that can make pass breakups or or interceptions because they're they're great. Yeah, obviously that's great. But a lot of times when you're on an island and you're with the play and the QB just makes a good throw, it's because the pass rush didn't get there. Or, you know, it's it's just the nature of playing defensive back. You're going to get beat. And Harris just seemed over the course of his career to be the guy getting beat a lot. And you know that's a mix of of all kinds of things. It was just so awesome to see him play so so well uh, in yeah. this game, and he really really did uh, as as did most everybody <laughs> wearing orange and blue. So that's my start. You stole it, but that's okay. Sorry, he uh, was. I
1: hand just hand. I kept thinking, I kept replaying this like one huge tackle he had that yeah. I was just like so amped about. And I yeah, was, was like, he really right? really yeah, he yeah, really yeah. had a great day. I and I'm with you. It's really. I'm happy to see that because I think that you're right. He's gone through a lot of struggles, a lot of injury and gotten waivers and all that good stuff to come back. And I'm glad that he's, that he's playing well. Yeah.
0: All right. Right. Before we get into uh, your uh, interview, let us quickly preview Duke. Uh, the point spread is eight. I think so, which seems a little high for that the way weird. that the, the, the who's been on the role. but I think it does speak to the fact that Duke has, has been piling up some evidence that uh, they're pretty uh, legit, and certainly it is in Durham, uh, the raucous home crowds in Durham, North <laughs> Carolina. Uh, wait, uh, it's not a basketball game.
2: Correct it's Wallace oh, it's Wade outdoor. outdoor Stadium. Oh, okay. <laughs>
0: uh,
2: outdoor Arena.
1: It's well,
0: pretty small. Uh, anyway, it's still a road game for the Hoos. I wouldn't expect them to be favored for sure. Um, but Broncos had some success uh, against the Blue Devils, so what, what do you guys is gonna happen? Some quick overview predictions and reasons for that prediction Caroline.
1: Um I am a little surprised that people are ranking them as highly. I mean they have a couple good wit and they've got like ugh, I don't know how to look at this. Um tech might be the only real good team they played and they got kind of manhandled. That's by true. Tech. Um I mean Georgia Tech's not great. We've kind of learned over the past few games, I think. Baylor's not great. Northwestern's not super great. Well, Northwestern, Northwestern
2: beat Michigan State and oh, yeah. well, they beat Nebraska. By yeah, them. Nebraska's not great.
1: The Michigan <laughs> okay, State yeah, one, the Michigan more, State win
2: was great, but
1: like I watched that and Michigan State yeah. shot themselves in the foot a lot. Like it wasn't necessarily like I, I, I Northwestern is probably or no, definitely I'd say Duke's best win. But I'm saying that that's not necessarily like. This huge, like, I don't know. We should be. I don't know why they're favored by eight. I think is. I thought it would be closer to like the four and a half. You know, teams that are close, and then you just give the home field advantage to one of them. But Mm -hmm. um, Virginia has had success against Daniel Jones in the past. Daniel Jones has had some injury issues and has apparently got like a vibranium collarbone because he should be out still which is just incredible so good for him like he's another guy that
0: robot now
1: yeah Mm -hmm. like basically a wolverine i think Mm -hmm. um but that's the biggest thing to me is is duke has had a lot of injury issues uh giles harris on the defense is a guy to like really key in on and watch out for he's a tough defender um but i think if virginia does you know sticks with ellis gets the running game like all the normal stuff like establish the run game Bryce Perkins makes good decisions. Like I feel like this is a wrote a win they should pick up.
0: Good stuff, Paul. What are you thinking? Yeah, I think it's gonna be another
2: another close defensive game. Uh, the, both teams, the defense is the the strength. Uh, looking at their S and P ranks, uh, Virginia is thirty fifth in defense. Duke is 33rd. Um,
0: Statistically, these teams are real similar across the board.
2: Right, but the big glaring difference is special teams. Um, That Obviously, Virginia's stats to this point have baked in all of the ineptitude that we've seen out of the kicking game. For the first part of the year. So, if that is a dramatic shift in Virginia's favor, if Virginia can dramatically outplay its up to now special teams performance, it can narrow the gap, I think, on Duke. Um, But when you're talking a game that's going to be a defensive struggle, the team with a clear special teams advantage playing at home, I think, has the advantage. So, I don't think it's, I also don't think it's going to be more than about a touchdown. Either way, just because there won't be that many touchdowns scored in this game. Now watch; it'll be all of a sudden fifty-six to forty-eight or something. <laughs> uh, but um, I, you know, I think you know. Last week, Virginia can beat anybody um, that we have on the schedule.
1: Yeah, <laughs> anybody. anybody? Sorry, I, I heard it
2: coming out. I heard it coming out. Except Clemson. It. Yeah, yeah, you're like Can't beat Clemson. Um,
1: anybody I, who's left on our schedule. Correct.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I figured Still that like, ACC championship game. Whoa, whoa. Whoa. we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yep.
2: So, yeah, I, you know, four, uh, four or five points, but then you're, then you're in that margin that one play either way can win the game. Um, So I, I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be tense. Um, I hope that Virginia can outperform its special teams to this point um, and do enough to move Bronco to three and Oh, Against Cutcliffe, while at Virginia,
1: that'd, that'd be nuts. That Cutcliffe's a good coach.
0: Well, I, uh, I think the Who's will cover or beat the spread. Um, oh. I, I think I just. I'm expecting maybe a not like a letdown, and what I'm hoping for is even if it's a loss, it's like one of those. well, they played well, and Duke just made some plays, you know. Just like um,
1: every every pick we've had the last like three weeks has been the same. Yeah, like I hope we have fun so and get some exercise. <laughs> yeah. I just I don't I don't expect yeah. the
0: letdown though. Yeah, you know right. I don't expect the yeah. like all of a sudden they look terrible across the board or, or you know uh, huge misplays or whatever it might be but i also don't expect to win um and i i just the spread is so weird to me um i think vegas knows something i don't about duke and they're just gonna do enough to to get out you know maybe a three four point win but i'm probably wrong as i often am so (laughs) leave it at that uh we will get to your interview caroline
1: all right all right. And part two of today's podcast, as we mentioned at the open, we're very excited. I am going, I have with me today, one of my favorite, if you're allowed to have favorites, um, ESPN commentators, Anish Schroff is joining us. Anish, how are you today?
3: I'm good, Carolyn. How are you?
1: I'm doing well. Um, so you've got one of the big games this weekend, um, undefeated Cincinnati at Temple on ESPN U at noon. Um, big AAC game. Are you pretty stoked about that one?
3: Yeah, there's eight undefeated teams left, and three of them are not only in the AAC, but they're in the same division. That's Cincinnati, South Florida, and UCF, and Temple's been playing better. at the road game for Cincy, so, um, you know, there's a lot of chatter amongst the group of five. What will it take for one of these teams to have a spot in the playoff? It's going to be a long shot, we know, but if these teams from the AAC keep winning and we get a little bit of chaos from the power five, that dream floats. So it's going to be fun to watch.
1: Yeah. I saw the end of the UCF game where they came back against Memphis and that was exciting. That weather was crazy too.
3: <laughs> yeah. UCF can tour with anybody. They can come back. It, you know, the, the issue for those teams is they really can't flip up to anybody outside of their little subgroup because they just get knocked and pinged by the committee so much for conference losses far more than power five teams. And the reality of it is the AAC is a pretty good conference. Um, I know there at the bottom, but, you know, the Houston, Memphis um, you no, know, these are these are good teams uh, in this league, not to mention Cincinnati, USF, and UCF. So I'm curious to see how the committee values them. If precedent is any indication, not too highly.
1: Yeah, and well, as Virginia fans, we're riding pretty high right now. Obviously, we're not really worried about what the committee is going to do at this point, Um, but we're coming off of a big win over Miami at home. Um, When you look at the trajectory of this Virginia team now, four and two, two and one in the ACC, on the precipice perhaps of going back to back bowl games for the first time in a long time. When you look at this team, like how do you see? What do you like about this UVA squad?
3: The one thing Bronco did when he got to Charlottesville, uh, he injected excitement into this offense, and it's something that, quite frankly, hadn't been there for a long time. I mean, they haven't had quarterbacks putting up big numbers. Um, you know, I think mean, Matt Shaw was the last real quarterback prior to Bronco's arrival um, that had 2,000-plus you know, yards in the season or whatever it was. I mean, they haven't had a 3,000-yard passer in school history before Bronco, and so now you know, with with Bronco bringing his up-tempo offense, I think there's a, it's it's almost like this team is going to the 21st century from an offensive standpoint. And uh, I know they won, again, on Saturday with the defense. But it's been a more exciting brand of football the last couple of years. Even last year, some of the games that they played in, there was an excitement factor for doing football. I mean, that's something that hadn't been there in a long, long time. So, yeah, the trajectory has been trending upward. Um, Yeah. can they get to a point now where they're competing
1: for a coastal division
3: championship in that division? Anything is
1: possible. Yeah. I mean, you're going mean, right into it. You look at it. Um, obviously Virginia tech losing to North Carolina would have really helped Virginia out um, putting both or a bunch of squads at two and one, but even with Virginia tech at three and O oh, at this point in the ACC, it's not out of reach. Um, when you look at just the, I don't wanna say disaster that the coastal is, but a little bit, there's no real clear cut favorite after I think Miami and Virginia Tech have both disappointed at times. Um, so when you look at that, like how do you see the coastal shaking out?
3: Uh, chaos as usual, um, that's probably <laughs> the best way to put it. You know, I wanna believe in Virginia Tech, right? But this is the team that lost the old Dominion. Um, everybody is still riding their coattails based on what happened week one when they dismantled Florida State. We've since found out Florida State is not the Florida State we're used to seeing.
1: Yeah. And then they
3: own North Carolina, which is one of the weaker teams, not just in the Coastal but in the ACC as a whole. So, yeah, you know, I'm still not sold on Virginia. I, I think Miami, when you look at their schedule, though well, at BC they still have Duke. Um, well, they got two or three games. They still have Virginia Tech. They still have two or three potential losses, and they already have the one loss, and a team like Virginia, you look at their schedule, I think there's a very real chance if they beat Duke this weekend, and that's not going to be an easy one to go on the road and do them, but if they can beat Duke on the road, you've got North Carolina, you've got Pitt, um, Georgia Tech has been awful this year. Yeah. You're looking at that Commonwealth game at the end of the season as really a play in game for the ACC championship.
1: Yeah, and it's terrifying, honestly. I look at that, and you kind of we did our preseason, um, you know, picks and predictions and all that good stuff because y- you don't know, obviously, before any games are played, how people are going to shake out and what's going to happen. And I think Carolina's been a lot worse than maybe people expected, even though the expectations weren't high. Same thing with Georgia Tech. Pitt is just their usual to quote my friend Lauren Brownlow, Pitness, where you don't really know what they're doing because there's days where they look like a complete disaster and then there's days where they compete with Notre Dame on the road and a great showing. Um, And like you said, Virginia Tech and Miami. But I I agree with you that Virginia's schedule is extremely favorable, especially if they do manage to pull off a road upset at Duke um, because they have those kind of little bit easier obviously nothing's a gimme at any point Virginia fans are very aware of that I think um but just a little bit with that Duke matchup coming up on Saturday um Virginia's gotten to Daniel Jones a lot uh in the past two matchups I think in two games against the Hoos he's uh 47 of 96 448 yards two touchdowns and seven interceptions with one fumble loss You look at this matchup, what does Virginia have to do to slow down Daniel Jones? And what do they have to do to pull off a win on the road? I think, one, they've got to be
3: disruptive. Um, You know, getting to the quarterback, pressuring the quarterback, negative plays in the backfield. I think that's all a big part of it. Daniel Jones is is, is healthier now, too. That's a big part of it. And, you know, the other part of this is if you watch Duke this year, this is one of the better defensive teams that David Cutcliffe has had. Mm-hmm. Would not flat. Uh, this is one of these games that is tilted based on a turnover or a special team's play because really outside of that Virginia Tech loss, Duke has been really buttoned up defensively. Yeah. And, and David Cutcliffe over the years, it, it was a slow build early on, but there's a cultural foundation in place now that he's built upon. There's depth now. There's depth in a lot, of, lot more positions than there used to be. And they will withstand the injury to the quarterback. And uh, I really think, again, I think defensively, this is going to be a challenge uh, for Virginia. You may need a big play from your own defense, maybe even special teams, especially if you're going to win on the road.
1: Yeah. And now it's nice. We feel like we have a kicker, which is a good start, because making field goals has been an issue for Virginia. So now that we have a guy that made three, actually four, but the one came off the board thanks to Miami's um, fouling or, um, but that's, I, I absolutely agree. That's a great point, um, about needing a big play. Cause I, I really like David Cutcliffe and he keeps, he keeps those guys bunned up tight and locked in. So I think it'll be, uh, not a must win, but a really nice to have if you want to stay in contention for that ACC coastal title. Um, we're gonna switch gears a little bit. It's almost basketball season. Um, which okay. is exciting to say, uh, and obviously you've been to Charlottesville and JPJ multiple times and usually with a broadcasting partner of Corey Alexander, which obviously a lot of you, all the UVA fans know. Um, (laughs) you you look at this year's team, obviously rebounding from a really tough loss and ending that not a lot of people outside of the, um, Baltimore County area, probably even thought was possible. Um, What do You you see this team bringing back a lot of big pieces. How do you think this team can um, perform and move on from how last year ended?
3: You know, we're at a point now, and and, and this isn't fair. I'll be the first one to say it because given the schizophrenic nature of the NCAA tournament, how a team does in that tournament isn't always representative of who that team is. You're dealing with small sample sizes and all that. Yeah. But – Listen, I think we know what Virginia is at this point. They're they're a team that are going to be great in the regular season. They will probably contend for an ACC title. Um, Hunter is healthy. Guy is back. Jerome is back. They return a lot of players. They return a lot of players from that team. I know Hunter was injured and and didn't play in that UMBC game. But still, that's not an excuse to lose to a 16 20 No, or whatever. (laughs) That's going to happen. And, and, you know, the the book on Virginia over the years, since Tony Bennett has been there, has been – Great regular season team. This is a team that can you know, beat Duke and beat Carolina and win 30 games in the regular season. And they fall short of expectations in the playoffs. And I know it's not fair, but we're at the point now this program where it is final four or bucks. And I think for the fan base, you know, if they go 22 and 15 or whatever, but end up making a run to the final four, you'll sign up for that because you've seen that you know, 30 win regular season. And yeah. then you've seen or losing in the second round. So, for me, I look at Virginia, talented team again. You know they're going to be good on defense. I think Hunter gives them that bona fide NBA talent, which they really haven't had in the past Um, uh, under Tony Bennett. I mean, he's a guy who's probably going to turn pro after this year, and he's a game changer. And if he continues to mature, I think he kind of gives you that one guy where you can say, okay, he's the guy where we can out after the other team. And and they were so reliant on their system for so long. Sometimes, you know, you, you play teams that maybe were seeded lower, but had more next-level talent, had more pros. Um, not the case with UMBC, but, you know, playing some of those Michigan State teams in the past. So I think Virginia's at a point now where, uh, really, I hate to say it, we know they're going to be in the NCAA tournament. We know they're going to be good in the regular season. But really, all that's irrelevant. It really comes down to now can you perform in March because um, this team is is, is due um, yeah. to get to a Final Four. Kind of on that bandwagon for a few years saying it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And, you know, I've kind of stepped back now. Okay, now I need to see. Um, yeah, you do have to ask now. Why is that regular season success not translating into deep runs in March?
1: Yeah, no, it's. I mean, it's. I'm hoping I'm still in the. You know, this was a narrative around Villanova and Jay Wright that they couldn't get it done until they could, and now they've. You know, once you break through, and um, it's it's tough to look back on the you know 2016 squad that had it in the bag and you know fell short and. I don't want to dredge up all these sad memories for anyone listening, but I I agree. I think this team, like this year, has some really. As a Syracuse Syracuse alum, those are great memories. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Anish, they're going to turn on you. They're going to turn it off. (laughs) That's okay, but oh man, and that's all matchup stuff. Like you said, like it's. I look back that the 2017 team, like that ceiling was so much lower, and when people want to point and losing Isaiah, like that team really had no room for error. So people will include that in the postseason, you know, not living up to expectations. But honestly, that team wasn't getting much further anyway. And I don't mean that as a knock, obviously, to any of the players. But, um, but yeah, I mean, there's just two really huge instances that people can clearly point to and say, is it the system? Is it coaching or whatever you want to say? I think everyone is in agreement that Tony Bennett's an outstanding coach, and you know, but it's it's just. I think
3: the best coaches in the country, but Yeah. yeah, again. It's easy to say, all right, well, they're not having success in March. I mean, they are, but relative to what they're doing in the regular season, yeah. no. I mean, given how they've been a one-seed or a two-seed, you would kind of expect more than one Elite Eight appearance kind of For in sure. this run. yeah. Um, and I, last year, too, you know, last year, our, our perception of how they ended is colored by how they did in the regular season. Nobody thought they'd be as good as they were. In the, yeah. it in the ACC. By all accounts, they overachieved. Last year, a lot of people saw Virginia and said, okay, this might be a little bit of a reloading season given a couple of guys they lost. we London Parentes. So then they overachieved and then they raised that bar of expectations. And yeah. The, the, the flame was, you know, in my estimation, probably the biggest upset we've seen in, in North American sports. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's, and I wonder I wonder what sort of psychological scars are, are, are lasting from that. I wonder how much of that carries over, how much of that will carry over on the march. I mean, that's something that's not going to be answered because, you know, think about it, you know, whatever they do in the regular season, 25 wins, 27 wins, 30 wins. Yeah. yeah that's the first time of the press conference, it's going to be, well, all about last year. It's going to yeah. be all about last year.
1: Absolutely. And I, luckily I do think that this team is – Actually, and obviously we're all we're going off now until media day next week and then UVA's media day the week after that is what we've gotten information-wise from stories here and there. But I think the way that Ty Jerome, uh, who's going to be a leader of this team this year, um, and Kyle Guy and, and those guys have really as- seemed to rebound or approach what happened. But obviously that all kind of, go- like you said, goes out the window when you get to that point again and hopefully they've found a way to deal with it and succeed because I, I want to see them do well on, not just from the, you know, fan level, I guess, but just as a story wise, but, um, the ACC is going to be difficult again, obviously, Um <laughs> uh, water is wet. Um, Duke brings in some superstar freshmen. UNC returns a lot of guys. Um, Virginia Tech is going to have one of the better backcourts in the country. Uh, How do you see the ACC kind of shaking out this year, and who's your favorite to win the regular season?
3: I look at the top five, six teams. Duke, Carolina, Virginia, uh, Florida State has a lot coming back. Syracuse returns its entire starting five. You mentioned Virginia Tech. Um, I think you can put maybe Clemson at the very fringe of that. Upper sphere. I think all those teams have a chance to make a deep run um, in the month of March. They really do. Um, I think at the top of that league is going to be really good. You know, with Duke, uh, they've been bringing in these talented freshmen classes. You know, Grandfather um, you know, with Duke, but we have not really seen that translate into a type of success. success that we thought we would see it at the beginning of the. Um, uh, this season. So you know, I'm curious how quickly can those guys mess? There's been injuries the last couple of years. So, um, you know, we'll see how, how those questions can mess. But, yeah, you know, Clay Jones and John Williamson and, and, and Barrett, I mean, it's a another loaded recruiting class. And when I look at North Carolina, Roy Williams' best teams in Chapel Hill have been those experiences. You know, if you watch how North Carolina's done it for the last few years, especially under Roy, yeah, you know, hasn't been that one-and-done. Um, yeah. The veterans guys have been through the battle. Now, losing Theo and losing Joel Berry, that's going to be significant. Um, they do have a very good freshman <laughs> in this year, Little. But I'm I'm curious to see, you know, with this offense now built around Luke May even more, um, what North Carolina can do. I think they're a top-two, top-three team and can win that lead. Uh, because, again, there is a lot of veteran talent coming back, and for Virginia Tech, now, you know, they're getting to the NCAA tournament as far as, now it's going to go in and do damage. And they return, you know, a ton of firepower. Um, I, I think see Alexander-Walker, um, was a big-time freshman coming to Virginia Tech last year, yeah, gave you some glimpses that he can be a star. I think he is a potential most improved player uh, candidate in the ACC, so he's a guy a I really like the backcourt. Um, and then Syracuse, you know, they've had issues with depth and scholarship production the last few years. They've they've lost some key players, had some guys go pro early. The entire starting five comes back. Highest battle comes back. Um, You know, Sadibe is healthy, and they have another big guy that's got some three-point shooting finally. They've been really good defensively the last four years, the last few years. Not so good offensively. They should be a better offensive team, so so that's one to watch. And um, Florida State, we know they're going to be deep. They always are under Leonard Hamilton. They use a lot of guys, but a current man, continues to get better, and really, it's just big guys. You know, Cavendale and Camadre can, can, can step up and, and, and help out a little on the offensive end. Um, I, I think Florida State is capable of another deep run like they were last year. But I look at those top six, and you know, Clemson sitting getting a couple of guys from the back court to stay was good. Um, maybe even throw Clemson at the fringe of that conversation. But I think any of those teams could win the league. I think it's a top-heavy ACC. I think there's uh, a bottom that's weaker than usual with DC losing Jerome Robinson, Jules is back getting reset, Wake lost the tongue, Louisville's going to be down. So, uh, yeah, Pittsburgh certainly doesn't have very much to get staple. I think that the bottom is going to be a lot weaker. You know, maybe we do in the past, you only had one or two teams that you could really beat up on.
1: Yeah. You might have
3: four teams and and it's not really a healthy middle class this year. You know, who's in the middle class? Notre Dame? Yeah. Miami? Yeah. State, you know, there, there's, so, um, I think it's a top-heavy league, but I
1: think the top, the top six or seven have a chance to be really good. Yeah, I'm excited. I can't wait. I mean, we only got a couple more weeks, luckily, to wait it out. Um, when you look at the entire, you know, landscape of college basketball this year, what are a couple teams that you are excited to look out for or, think, or you think could make some noise that maybe people aren't paying attention to?
3: Well, one people are paying attention to them now, but they're sort of tucked away in the Mountain West, and that's Nevada. I did one of their games last year, and I remember watching them, and you're know, just kind of thinking, man, they've got dudes. And remember the Martin twins who were at NC State, yep. um, recruited um, by Mark Gottfried, um, uh, Cody and Caleb. They're now with Nevada. They transferred. They were big contributors last year. Everybody thought they were going to go pro. They decided to come back to school, and uh, Nevada had a nice little run in March last year. It would not surprise me one bit if they run away with the Mountain West, maybe snag a top three, top four seed. And if they get to the final four, it would not surprise me one bit. they got an NBA coach, and Eric Musselman he's really great at deploying some um, uh, massive advantages. So I wouldn't be shocked one bit if Nevada makes the run. And, uh, you know, another team that I, I really like is, uh, is UCF. I think UCF is, you know, sneak up on a few people this year um it's, a, it's an NCAA tournament team We got Paco Fall who's uh 7.7 now apparently he's growing into the offseason so um yeah those are kind of some, some early star horses that I like but um listen, who have who was even talking about Loyola Chicago
1: yeah know. exactly <laughs> that's why the tournament is such a it, it gives and it takes away you know like those are fun but the same yeah you know, that one one game format is so brutal, but also so exciting and what makes it the best postseason, in my opinion, in any sport. Um real quick before we let you go, um you are also, I don't know if you want to say first and foremost, but in my mind, that's how uh I met you and followed you along first, our lacrosse guy, um, Kalala lacrosse games, the main dude for ESPN during lacrosse season. Um you are actually pretty high on Virginia's squad this year. Do you think Lars can take this team to Memorial Day weekend this year?
3: I do. I think it's the team to beat in the ACC. He's now going into season three. Um, I think the shot clock is going to greatly benefit a team like Virginia, given that they pride themselves on having two-way midfielders. They keep their defensemen out um, during practice at Shoot and play offense so it's not really you know playing five on five maybe five and a half on on five um so i think they are equipped better than most uh, to handle the shot process. i mean listen they're they're not really wasting much time to begin with and yeah they've got talent coming back and if conrad ryan conrad can come back healthy that gives them another weapon with michael kraus and back I and mean, they've got they're loaded with young talent these guys are going to get better Um, I know Duke is going to be pretty good and they've got the experience of playing in the championship game, but the ACC, to be honest with you, has been down the last few years. And I think this year you're going to see a big gap between Virginia, Duke, and everybody else. You know, I don't really have a lot of faith in in Syracuse. You know, it's kind of just a a quarterfinalist at best right now. Um, You know, Notre Dame is trending downward and um, that offense, um, you know, has kind of been feast or famine a little bit and, um, I'm not sold on them and North Carolina since getting the championship is done um, in reverse as well. So, you know, this might only be a, yeah. a really good and I think, you know, Virginia's been beat up on by a lot of these ACC schools over the last few years. Um, I expect this is the year that uh, the Who's get back to championship weekend. They're, they're in my preseason top four.
1: Woo! That's fun to hear. I mean, it, it's been fun to watch Lars instill the system and I was at the scrimmage last weekend, two weekends ago, against um, Penn State. And uh, I think that this shot clock, and, and like you said, the shot clock was really not a factor, not that we were super surprised that it would be um, for a fast-paced offense like Lars Tiffany likes to play. Um, but it's, uh, it'll be fun to watch these guys. Like you mentioned, Dox and Kraus, and they're adding you know, Peyton Cormier. On attack, And they've got another great goalie coming in this year. So I'm excited to see how that all pans out. But, uh, yeah, hopefully go. I will see you in Charlottesville um, several times over the next couple months. Um, but thanks for coming on and hanging out for a little bit.
3: You got it, Carolyn. See you.
1: All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening in. That was part two. As always, we'll be covering everything this week um, with streakingthelawn.com. Check it out. And uh, go league.